Hey there, this is Della Rucker of the Wise Economy Workshop Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I have a great story to share with you. This is one that I tell nationally, and I'm so delighted to be able to get into it in a little more detail than I often have the opportunity to. If you're a reader of the Wise Economy Workshop blog, you have probably heard from this gentleman before. His name is Bill Lutz, and Bill is in charge of community development for the city of Piqua, Ohio. Piqua is a relatively small market center type city that in some respects looks a lot like a lot of other small towns throughout the Midwest. But Piqua has something pretty incredible going for it. It's something that they had to work very hard to turn into an asset. The Fort Piqua Hotel, which was constructed in the city in the late 1800s and which visually dominates downtown Piqua, sat vacant for decades. And for decades, people in Piqua looked at this building and tried to figure out what to do with it. But its size and its deterioration made it extremely difficult to find a new solution for it. Starting in the early 2000s, a small group of people in Piqua started to figure out how to make it happen. The story that you're going to hear is about their determination and their diligence and their intelligence in putting together an unusual and pretty innovative array of uses and funding sources and strategies for getting this very massive building returned to its historic role as a center of community life. So I'll let Bill tell the story. And after Bill has told the story, I'll come back to you with a little bit of a wrap up. So here's Bill Lutz. Enjoy. So Bill, I'm really glad that you were able to take a little bit of time to sit down and chat with me. So, you know, I always love any opportunity I get to come up to Piqua. Thank um, you for coming here today. Oh yeah, absolutely. No problem. Well, we had a couple of things we we're going to talk about today. Why don't we start with talking about the Fort Piqua Hotel? Yes. And this is a great, great story. And it's one that I've been aware of for years. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these cases where some very determined and very, maybe even bullheaded people figured out how to get something done. Correct. That many people had been saying wasn't possible. This will be accompanied with some photographs, yeah, so people okay. will get a sense of okay. what we're talking about. But can you talk a little bit about kind of the history of the Fort Piqua Hotel? Sure. What, what the situation was, how we got to the point where things sure. had to happen. Absolutely. Well, the real history goes way back to like the 1850s, where there was a battle really between the cities of Troy and Piqua on which city would be the county seat. And with that came the new courthouse. A delegation from Columbus comes in, they come to Troy, town's beautiful, mm -hmm. just wonderful. And Troy is about Troy's, 15 minutes south of Piqua? Oh, 10, 10, 10 minutes south. I mean, they're very, very close, seven miles away. Okay. So during the night, between the time when the delegations from Piqua to Troy, you know, legend has it folks from Troy come up to Piqua, trash the town. The delegation comes to Piqua and they say, there's no way that this could be the county seat. There it is, you know. Huh. Troy gets the the courthouse. They erect Lady Justice at the top of the courthouse. 
she faces south, which means her rear is facing the city of Piqua. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to be outdone, the, the residents of Piqua said, well, we need our own landmark. So they hire the architect who did the courthouse in Troy to come to Piqua and build a building in Piqua. And he said, well, let's build a hotel. We had rail lines come through. There was a big one that went east-west, another one went north-south. Kind of made sense. So they built the Fort Piqua Plaza, and it was completed in 1891. It is a, a massively huge structure done in the Richard-esque style. Three-plus stories, 100-some-odd rooms. Just a beautiful, beautiful building. It had 100-and-some-odd hotel rooms. rooms. Yeah, rooms. Okay. And, and, you know, it had a balcony. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt... William Howard Taft and uh, Woodrow Wilson all spoke, making <laughs> campaign speeches from that balcony to the residents of Pick One, whoever else would come. Harry Houdini spent the night there, did get out. <laughs> he was um, good at that. Yeah, he was. It, it was a landmark. Um, it was the place to go. Well, time was not so good to it. The 40s and 50s came, the hotel left, the small businesses on the first floor left. And before you know it, it was a dilapidated building. Its last major use was a Greyhound bus stop and also kind of a tenement home for less than desirables, I guess, mm. best way to say it. Um, I remember the first time I went in the building. And, and how long have you worked? Uh, since 2006. You've been here since 2006. Yes. You're from this area. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. The first time I was in the building was in, in late 2006. We were up on the third floor. And at this, I have to tell you, in 2006, the building was just in, in poor, poor shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it was condemned. It was dilapidated beyond belief. I go on the third floor where this was the magnificent ballroom. There were just these cheap walls that were put up just for spaces for people to rent a room out for the night. It hmm. was just horrific what had happened to this beautiful building. Well, for years, even before I was here, there were efforts to try to do something with the building. I mean, and, and one thing that people should realize is that when they said they were going to build a landmark, they built a landmark. The yeah. thing is huge. It, I mean, it's just visually dominant Absolutely. of the whole downtown area here. I mean, you, you come in on South Main Street on kind of some of the rural roads leading to town, you can't help but notice it. <laughs> uh, you came in on 36 from the interstate, you can't help but notice it. it it's huge. It takes mm-hmm. up a city block. I mean, it's that big. Efforts were made underway to get the thing fixed because there was a time where people said, let's just tear it down. Well, if you tore it down, and again, you have this massively huge structure, you're, you're ripping the heart out of the downtown area. Yeah, it would have left a huge, huge hole. Yeah, and, and we couldn't we couldn't have that happen. Um, but then, you know, how do you try to get something that time has neglected, uh, that the private sector who looked at it said, there's nothing we can do with this. How do you get something to happen? Well, we had a, a core group of about 20 city residents who said, well, we're going to do something. We're, we're going to bring this back. A couple of them were on the library board. They said, well, if you get this thing fixed up, we'll move the library into that building. Where was the library before? It was in a large downtown kind of a mansion type building it had outgrown that facility Mm. but it was still there but the library was like okay we'll we'll contribute some money and we'll move there at least at this point you have some money 
mm-hmm. and you have an end use. So things are okay. Things are falling into place. We've got at least part of. We, we got part of it. We found some grant dollars. You know, we could use some block grant dollars. Okay, there's there's some more ingredients. Okay, so that's CDBG. That's yes. community development community block development grants. Block grant money. And Piqua is an entitlement city. Yes? No. Pickle is not. We are not an entitlement city. So what kind of CDBG, what kind of community development block grant funding were you using? We were using the formula allocation we get from the state. Okay. We we get roughly $90,000 a year from the state to run our own block grant program. Okay. That's how we get it. It's not an entitlement community, but it it is money that's on a formula basis that we are entitled to from the state, not the feds. Okay. So we get those dollars. And, That's uh, still not a lot of money. Still not a lot of money. And you have to do other stuff with that 90 grand a year. Exactly. Okay. And so, you know, we did get enough money to, to kind of do the studies. How much is it going to cost? $22 million. $22 million in a community of less than 20,000 people to fix this building up. And for frame of reference, I mean, your, your annual operating budget is probably... In, in this community, if, if you take out... The, the utility funds and things like that, mm-hmm. about 30 to $32 million a year. Okay, so we're looking at pretty well, darn the, close to the one, entire budget. Exactly, exactly. Again, we worked hard to get other other grants. We got Cultural Facilities Commission money to come to do it in, in, in this. And then it, it, it got to the point where we found some historic tax credits. Okay. We got those. We, got, we were in the first round of the state of Ohio's historic preservation tax credit program about okay. five million dollars okay and in fact if you take a look at the ohio's uh, program logo for that mm-hmm. the fort pickwell plaza is prominently <laughs> displayed <laughs> on the state logo for their uh, historic tax preservation tax credit program okay did you get the federal tax credit as well we got some of those okay. yes but the, the big thing was was the new market tax credits uh we worked with um pnc bank it was either them okay. or the third. Okay. And they called us up. It was about this time, this time of year, about five or six years ago. So this is December yeah, of? Yeah, December of maybe 07, 2007, 2008. They called us up. So this is early in the tax Early, code. early. They said, um, we have a package of you, for you. With that package, with everything that you've raised, we're still a million dollars short. You need to raise a million dollars by the end of the week. That's whoa. Okay, but before we before we go into that week, let's let's take a step back. Okay. So had you been talking? Had had Piqua and the interested folks been talking with the yes. bank? Yes. Yes. Okay. We've been talking with their community development division um, out of Dayton. Okay. They hooked us up with some people out of Pittsburgh, and they said, you know, we will we like your project. We've run the numbers. We'll buy the like the dollar tax credit for like I think it was like ninety three or ninety four cents on the dollar, which is a very typical way to handle this. Exactly. So it's like we've we've got it, but they said we we can't invest it unless we know that you have the rest of the money to do it. And they called us up. They said you're still a million short. We need a million in a week. Wow. So this is a town of twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. How do you come up with a million in a week? How well, do you? Well, the twenty individuals they were able to get pledges of over a million dollars. Who did they get pledges from? There were a couple industrialists in the city that once they knew that we were so close that we couldn't let this opportunity go. So these, and and really they're anonymous, I don't know who they are, but Mm -hmm. from what I understand, they each pledged well in excess of three or four hundred thousand dollars. Wow. 
so yeah, I mean, it was like, okay. Were they, were they then, was this a, was this a grant from them? Was yeah, this a, yeah, this, this was, was a... this was, here you go. Do, do what you need to do with it to get it done. Wow. Um, and within that week, the, the financing was done. The, the $22 million was secured. We're ready to roll. Wow. Um, the entire process of, of getting it done took a little more than a year. Meaning um, the, cons- the, the, constru- the construction. The construction. And really it was done in two parts. There was kind of the demolition and then the reconstruction. Because the, everything on the inside had to be torn out. And everything on the inside was, was pretty well cheaped up over yeah. the course of yeah. many, many years. Yeah. So yeah. like those those walls you were talking about up on the third floor and all of that kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay. Um, there were seven different prime contractors on the project. Seriously? Yeah. We, we had to hire... We hired a, a new city staff person to manage that project specifically. He was there every day, you know, in his little trailer, making sure that everybody was on the same the same wavelength doing it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, after they were done with the deconstruction, then comes the construction. And, and you know, I think it was October of 08, uh, we had our grand opening. October of 08. And I'll tell okay. you, time flies, time flies. But it was in October. Oh, no. uh, Senator Voinovich came and mm-hmm. he gave some some words, and we had a huge fireworks display that night. And yeah, it was the whole town came out for it, and it was amazing. And really, if you take a look at the building now, it is still because we had so many historic tax credits. You have to do things historically, mm-hmm. you know. So all of the the windows were basically built on site. Um, all of the woodworking that could be saved was saved. Mm-hmm. The stenciling in the ballroom was what the stenciling in the ballroom looked like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's an amazingly beautiful building. So what's in there now? So what's the library's in the first floor. Yeah, the library's on the is on the basement, the first floor and the second floor. Oh, okay. So it's a th- it's, it's a three story stories. library, and it's always packed. Uh, we have restaurant space on the first floor, and also small coffee shop on the first floor mm-hmm. as well and the coffee shop is connected through to the library exactly which i think is genius yeah it's you, you can't tell when one ends and when the one one begins but, so now the retail space has been a little bit hard to keep occupied right the restaurant the, i'm sorry the restaurant has, wrong yeah, word we had a restaurateur in there i think a lot of those issues dealt with the fact that on the on the fourth floor is the banquet facility the original contract to run the restaurant, you also had to run the banquet facility. Ooh. Yeah, so I think it was very difficult for the restaurateur to kind of handle both of those responsibilities. And the restaurant the space isn't way. gigantic either. No, it's not huge. It's not huge. Uh, so, you could probably seat uh, 60 to 70 at the most, I would say. So, no, it's not huge. Okay. So it's kind of a different scale to go from there to doing banquets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, the, you know, the liquor license that those liquor license issues as well because since it's one building you know how do you separate the the banquet facility from the restaurant and and those types of things they're just hurdles that came up that we needed to overcome Um, this month we did enter into a lease with the new restaurateur awesome and he will be hopefully in by the end of january wow that's awesome yes great to hear yes so the library has Pretty much most of the basement. Yep. They have the lion's share of the first floor, other than the coffee shop and the restaurant the space. They have most of the second floor? Yep. They have okay. all the second floor. All the second floor. The third third floor, floor is unfinished, but the, uh, the library uses it for their historical collections. Okay. Um, because there was uh, 
cultural facility commission money in this they wanted kind of a, a museum light type mm. thing within the library so there are a lot of different um artifact displays that we have in the library throughout the year okay and so what we do is when we're not putting them out for show on the second floor we store them in the third floor okay and then the fourth floor is the the the, uh, the ballroom and the banquet center and the conference center. And that's really busy from what oh, I've heard. it's very busy. It, and that's probably one of the few places around here to have a wedding reception of, of yeah. you know, any of that kind of thing. It is booked up for all but two weekends for 2013 and 14. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard that story. You know, it amazes me what a sleeper industry that is. Because yeah. I have heard that story from every restored ballroom odd fellows hall banquet facility whatever on a third floor where people thought you know you can't possibly use this thing the the demand in cities of this 20 to 40,000 size population the demand for those kind of spaces that isn't met it's huge. it just seems like it's amazing how yeah. how often it is such an unmet need absolutely so yeah no that's that's and we hold a lot of uh, conferences, mm-hmm. corporate meetings, things like that up there in the barroom. It's got, even though it, it's historic, it also has all the latest technology and things like that. So um, you, you so can you can have your present you, you can have your presenters up there running their powerpoints and all that kind of absolutely, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's all integrated, so I mean, it's not like you got to bring your own screen, you know. Oh, nice. You don't even have to bring your own computer. We got a couple computers up there, so just bring your presentation, you know, uh-huh. saved on a drive. And we'll... so, who manages that property now? Um, and who owns it? Who really? owns it? Uh, well, because we were kind of in the tax credit agreement, um, we established a limited partnership in which the, the tax credit investors and the city were each um, nearly half owner. City is 51%. The tax credit investors are 49%. So the city is an actual owner the of this is, property. The city is half owner of the property. Wow. And because of that, we are responsible for managing it. Um, we have a on-site manager over there that takes care of the bookings, mm-hmm. takes care of minor maintenance, those types of issues. They they coordinate with the banquet coordinator for events and things like that. The banquet coordinator is a, a subcontractor. Yeah. And then um, the gentleman who was the, the project manager is still an employee with the city, mm. and so he's over there quite a bit, you know. Oh, that's awesome. So, but I mean, Piqua is not a city with that's got money flowing out of its ears or anything. Uh, no. How do they keep that going? I it mean, works. Um, you know, we're in an interesting location in the northern Miami Valley. You know, people will travel from places like Greenville or Sydney or Urbana or Troy or even farther. Lima, mm-hmm. Dayton, you know, we'll get people in from different areas to have meetings here. So you can actually make a decent amount of money running events. Exactly. And exactly. and it is a central location. I mean, these are all pretty small cities that range from 10 to 40 minutes away. Correct. Other and than you know, Dayton. really, I mean, if you think about the 75 corridor, mm-hmm. we're, we're darn near right, right in the middle between Toledo and Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we are in a very good location for that. Okay, good. Well. And is the intention, to your knowledge, for the city to remain in the building management business? I mean, you certainly well, have other buildings to manage. Yeah, I, I, it's not a problem yet. Um, it may become a problem in which we really have to address it. Um, but no, I, I think people are very happy with the arrangement at this point. It's worked out well. 
I don't think anybody would complain, um, certainly about how the building ended up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, from the stories I hear, people are happy to have events there. Very nice. It's, it's, a, you know, it's an amazing resource, not just for Piqua, but for the region. Yes. It's an incredible draw. You know, it, it is something that people across the region sort of look to. And one of the interesting things, when you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you were telling me about some kind of an organization that had had, it was a, um, what was it, the Brownfield? The National Brownfield Association. Right. So I thought that was a really fascinating story of kind of what that project ended up indicating to that agency and yeah. kind of what fell out from I that. I mean, we got Clean Ohio funding to do some work over there. So there's another of the 47 different yeah, funding there, streams that we didn't least, really mention. Yeah, there were about 25 different funding streams on this project. Well, well say that again. Yeah, 25. 20, two, five. Two, five. Two, five. One quarter of 100. Yeah. 25 different funding sources, mm-hmm. one of which happens to be this Clean, Clean Ohio, Ohio funding, and it's for... Well, yeah, for, for those that aren't in Ohio, Clean Ohio Fund was established at least 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they do is brownfield remediation projects and this was a brownfield because of asbestos asbestos bird droppings because it had been nature. abandoned for yeah so it had been long. abandoned so the national brownfield association which the city is a member of we're looking for a place to hold a, a kind of a regional conference we told them said hey have you, have you looked at piqua because what better than to have a brownfield conference at a former brownfield and they're like oh we have to do this and so they came, they had their conference here uh, and, last And it's year. significantly easier to do it in that banquet facility than it is in, like, a field outside of town. Uh, that, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little extra benefit in having a roof on the That's thing. That's right. There's a roof there or a, a redone industrial facility with high ceilings and yeah. no insulation. Yeah, it, it's much more comfortable. And so, yeah, the, the National Brownfield Association, they came, they loved it. We're working with them currently on a, a different project, which we got $148,000 from the Center for Disease Control to uh, health impacts of individuals in brownfield impacted areas. We found out today, as I talked to the folks from the CDC, City of Pick was the first and up to this point only municipality in the United States to receive funding from the CDC for a brownfield related really? project. Yes. Wow. They've told us they usually work with public health authorities mm-hmm. or tribal health authorities. We're the first municipality to receive funding, so we are awesome. We're very excited. Awesome. And only because I don't want to let this piece of the story drop, tell me what the Brownfield Association said after they saw Fort Piqua Hotel and they asked the question of how did this get done. They could not believe that a community of 20,000 people could pull off a $22 million redevelopment project. That was what blew their mind more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And what we told them is said, that's only half the story. Because we're now the poster child for a good brownfield development project for a community of less than 20,000 people, we've received over $4 million in other Clean Ohio grants to do other brownfield projects throughout our community. Right now we are demolishing an old hospital that had been abandoned for 15 years, that's going to be the site of a new intermediate school. Mm. That's going to happen next year. We got money to tear down part of our old municipal power plant, and that's going to be a new riverfront development park. So it's like success begets success. And, and so, you know, we take, we could take a look at the Fort Pickle Plaza and say, wow, this was, a, this was great, and it is. But it proved to ourselves, it proved to our community that we can do anything we want to do. 
And another thing is, and from the NBA perspective, is they're like, you know, NBA, National, National Brownfield Association, we're used to working in bigger places. You know, they're headquartered out of Chicago. They've been to Cleveland. They've been to Cincinnati. They've been to Columbus. They've been to, to Dayton, Toledo. Pickle was not on any of their maps. Here we are, little community of 20,000 people who've brought in over $4 million in brownfield dollars from the state to do projects here. Mm -hmm. You know, it, We are now kind of being seen as the leaders in brownfield redevelopment for small communities because we're doing it. And it all started it with all st a big old building <laughs> in downtown. Big old nasty building in downtown that we had to do something with that we couldn't tear down. Wow. Amazing. It is amazing. Awesome. Thanks. You're welcome. So I hope you enjoyed that story from Bill, and I hope you found it as fascinating as I did how this small community that could have just thrown up its hands and said, this is not possible, figured out how to make it possible. And that's a combination of determination and thinking outside the box and drawing on the full broad range of assets that this community had to work with, including something as likely to be overlooked as its local library. The other interesting piece of this story to me is that range of funding streams that they managed to pull together to make this happen. If you look at the pictures that'll be posted on the Wise Economy Workshop blog in conjunction with this story, hopefully you'll get a sense of just how massive this building is. This was not an easy redevelopment. And it was not a building that could have housed just one use in a community of this size. It really needed a combination of uses. And so we talk in planning and economic development a lot of times about mixed use. Here's an additional reason to do mixed use and to value and work toward mixed uses, that sometimes it is that combination of uses that creates a whole more than its parts. So again, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you're curious about the Fort Piqua Hotel. You can Google City of Piqua and you will find links there to Main Street Piqua and we'll put a few of those links on the Wise Economy blog as well. If you're interested in sharing more of these kind of conversations, if you have stories in your community that you think might be a good Wise Economy story to tell, please feel free to drop me a note at Della.Rucker at WiseEconomy.com or you can contact us through the comment function within the Wise Economy Workshop blog and podcast pages. You can also follow us on Twitter at the at sign Della Rucker, all run together, one word, or on Facebook at Della Rucker, A-I-C-P-C-E-C-D. That's Della Rucker, A-I-C-P-C-E-C-D. So thanks again. I hope you enjoyed this. And as I often find myself saying at the end of these podcasts, let's go make it happen.